ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. As promised, joining me now, one of my favorite guests, uh, host of my favorite podcast, the Saints Happy Hour podcast. It's all about fun, it's all about Saints. And uh, Ralph Malbro joins us now. Ralph, good morning, man. How are you? I'm great, Scott. I'm so happy the Saints are doing too. I don't know how your listeners feel, but I just need, not only did I need football just to, you know, to make 2020 less horrible, but I need the Saints to be good and give us hope. And I feel like if they had gone to one and three, the season would have been in, on life support. And I just, in my life right now, I need to look forward to Sundays and have this hope and this joy that all things are possible, right? And at one and three, would have been like, oh, man, is it going to be seven and nine, eight and eight? They're going to expend all this energy to get back to 500, then fall back back under, and it just would have been a nightmare. And they, they, got, they got it done. And listen, man, I have to say, when I found out that they were missing six starters and then, you know, the running backs were up till 3 a.m., I was like, this is going to go badly. And then they fell behind 14 nothing. I went to a bad place, man. It felt like I had time traveled back to 2015, and I was waiting for Rob Ryan to appear on the sideline. Like, it got dark early in that game yesterday. Jeez. I mean, I, um, I didn't feel great about the game last week going into it. I don't know what it was about game day and everything. So, I uh, – I was watching some college football, doing some work Saturday night. You know, stopped looking at my phone for a while, watched some SNL, finally fell asleep, woke up a few times dealing with kids, got up in the morning, like made them breakfast. So I hadn't checked my phone in a while. I finally went and grabbed my phone, and I see an update on my phone, and it's your podcast, and it says Rona gets the Saints or the Saints got the Rona or something like that. And I was like, oh, God, what, like, what happened? So then I sort through it all. I'm like, wait. They had a player test positive. Then the game was in question. Then they might not play. Wait, no, now it's, wait, it's false positive. Wait, they are going to play. Wait, they were up all night. Wait, what is going on? It's just all at once. And I'm glad I didn't know the night before because it would have kept me up and I would have been checking it and updating it. So I learned from the podcast you guys had to record in the middle of the night because when it comes to breaking Saints news, you guys are always right. on it. But I was just like, right. this is nuts. Like, this is the, the 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 intangibles of this game and all the outside factors are not in the Saints' favor. But fortunately, Ralph, at the end of the day, they were playing the Lions. And, um, Lions and then Lion, baby. five straight offensive drives with five straight touchdowns, they looked as good as they have looked this year, obviously. And, and for a moment, only a moment, hopefully it continues next Monday night, all was right in the world for just a few brief moments on Sunday for Saints fans when they watched that offense click and, uh, and just, just reel off touchdown after touchdown. Well, I'll say, I'll say this for the Saints, man. It was great to see Emmanuel Sanders play, play well. He looked like the, the wide receiver they signed. It was Traquan Smith, I think, had his best game as a Saint. That catch to sort of wrap, help wrap up the game was tremendous. It was contested. It was great. But I'm going to say this is offensive line. They destroyed Detroit in a way that was just incredible. It felt like they could get five, six yards anytime they wanted. I mean, you know, they had third and third and goal from the three, and Sean Payton is like, "We're just going to run. We're just going to run Murray off tackle right down your throat, and there's nothing you can do about it." And by the way, it's fourteen fourteen. Um, they were unstoppable until Ramcheck went out, and and by the way. 
Ramchek, when he goes in for his extension, his agent is just going to play the last like three drives for the Saints on a loop and be like, he wants all the money because without him, the offensive line completely fell apart. Pay him, pay him right now. Um, so it, that's a that's a little concern going forward. Hopefully, he'll be all right with the concussion. But my God, Detroit is just comically bad on comically bad on defense. It 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 was a, it was a joyous sight to behold yesterday. You know, I, I'm not I I don't. I don't really talk actual mainstream politics on this show for a variety of reasons, but I, I, I'll, I'll only say this. It was, I mean, Matt Patricia, what a donkey. Like, that was a, that was a complete <laughs> political move that he pulled that, that politicians all over the world do all the time where he's blaming some previous regime as an excuse for why. Bro, you took over a team that had a winning record a guy that actually won in Detroit and got him to the playoffs, and I get it. It's it's not the Super Bowl. But, I mean, you replace somebody that was winning, you're in year three, you're blowing leads left and right, and you, you have the audacity to say, well, you know, I said when I took over, there was a lot of work we had to do here. There's a lot of fixing we had to do, and we took this 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 program over the program, and, and we're still working on that. What a joke, dude. Like, what a joke. The thing is, the thing is Detroit – they gave up boring competence for that. Like, you can knock Jim Caldwell all you want. Like, he's the best coach the Lions have had in a generation. He went to the playoffs two out of three years, and the Lions were like, meh, not good enough. And you know why? Because Jim Caldwell is boring. But sometimes, dude, boring competence is cool. And I just here's – here's the thing, as quick as I – I love the – the uh, Dan Labertard and Stugat show. I love it. It's, it's my favorite. It's, I listened to it in, in when I was driving in Houston for a commute. It was my lifeline. Besides your show and, and Dan, I live in Dan Labertard going to work, you coming back. That's, that's, how I, that's how I do it. And Stugat's made a great point about him, Scott. He said, look, I know a scammer when I see one. Matt Patricia, he has a pencil that he wears behind his ear, but his play sheet is laminated. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. No, it's true. Gosh, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, like, what, what do you need a pencil for, dude? Yeah, so he's like, it's a, it's a scam. He, he does it to make himself look smart. But, but, and I'll say this, too, about the Lions. Matt Stafford was booty yesterday. Like, he was awful. Like, that throw, if he hits that throw with six and a half minutes to go, they're down a score. With, they're down 35-28 with six and a half to go. That game is completely different. Like, Matt Stafford, dude, you're making, like, $30 million a year. you got to hit that throw, buddy. He was booty yesterday and that that really helped the Saints. Another thing that says Detroit is a terribly coached team. Ken Crawley, he played six snaps yesterday. You know how many times the Lions targeted him? Zero. Like when Ken, Ken Crawley steps on the field, you gotta be like, dude, we are throwing it whoever he's guarding. I don't care what play we call. Like it's just it was it was embarrassingly bad coaching. Of course it was delightful for us. King how does Ken Crawley not get thrown at one time? I mean, forget I, I, once. How about how about how, how did he not get thrown at six? Ah, dude. I mean, Patrick Robinson. Shout out to him for the interception and uh, yep. just to see Patrick Robinson and PJ Williams and Ken Crowley and to to see everything everything going into that game and then you're down fourteen nothing and it's like gulp like uh oh. But uh, but Drew Brees was uh, he was sharp. Alvin Kamara. I mean, give the man another extension. Holy cow. Just just when he's healthy, it's just unbelievable. The power run game, Cesar Ruiz was tremendous in his first start. 
Uh, they were getting after Nick it, man. Was, I mean, Nick Eason was tremendous. Sean Payton mentioned it after the game. Um, and I want to say one thing about Camara is remember that fourth down play, fourth and three, Saints down fourteen seven early. Which, by the way, we knock we knock Sean Payton for either being cute or too aggressive or giving up on the run. Sometimes Dude. him making that fourth down call is why he's a great coach. He looked at that game and was like, "This game is fourteen to seven. It is going to be a shootout." I'm not punting from the Lions' 43-yard line. We're going for it. But they line up Kamara in the slot. Detroit actually recognized it. They had a corner on Alvin Kamara on that fourth down play, a corner. And he roasted the corner, 29-yard gain. Three plays later, it's 14-14. That's why the Saints paid him $75 million, because there aren't running backs in the NFL that can go out in the slot and roast corners. That's what makes Alvin Kamara special. That's why they probably didn't pay him enough. I mean, a slot corner, to your point, and I said this, um, you know, yesterday on my show, like, it's not a linebacker. You're you're out there, and and it wasn't even close. And uh, to that point, that was Breeze's best throw of this season. I mean, it was in stride, on the money. The chemistry between Breeze and Kamara is there. I mean, you saw Breeze – off weeks one and two in terms of accuracy. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of argued with this national guy I had on that was just talking about his arm strength. I'm like, man, that's not it. Like, you know, I had Underhill on last week and, and you know, it was, you know, Underhill who knows this team as well as anybody, right? And it's like, no, that's, mm-hmm. it's not that. And, and you look, you were playing a team in Green Bay that does a ton of cover too. Like this, this isn't new. This is what Drew does. Um, I came out of week three feeling uh, considerably better about, Drew Brees than I did week one and two. Now I was very worried about the defense. Um, And are you still worried about the defense, Rob? Because it seems like, you know, you can make a lot out of one win. It was the Lions, and it was nice that Cam Jordan finally got a sack, and and they were missing all these guys, and they still won. But it was the Lions. Like, you got got Justin Herbert and the Chargers coming in on Monday night unless Tyrod's lung heals and he's back as a starter. (laughs) But you've got – a team that just put up a whole lot of passing yards on a Tampa Bay defense that's strong. I mean, Tampa Bay's got players on that defense. So uh, it's hard to not get caught up in a victory, especially when you're just craving it for so many reasons, as you just said. Uh, Ralph Mabro, our guest of the Saints Happy Hour podcast and WWOTV.com. But are you still, as this week gets a little farther away and the glow of the win against Detroit begins to dim a little are you going to go back to being really worried about the Saints defense? I'm conflicted about I'm conflicted about the defense because one, they couldn't do any better than they did yesterday. Like they're down three starters Monday, a Sunday, both corners. They held Detroit to 281 yards. Like they got a turnover. Like that's as good as you can do. Detroit was stuck on 14 for a long time in that game, right? And look, I mentioned before Stafford with booty, so that helped. But I have a theory, Scott, that defense is across the NFL are atrocious, by the way. You know, we, we consider Tampa's defense is very good, correct? We, that is a sort of universal statement going in right now, right? Justin Herbert went to Tampa yesterday. He was 20 of 25 against that defense. I have a theory that with no crowds, defenses are really, really going to struggle because if you're at home like the Saints, like if, they're de- if the, the, the Dome crowd can make their pass rush go from good to great or mediocre to okay or okay to good, right? And when you, when you have a, a quarterback, there's like 14, 15 quarterbacks in the NFL, like with no crowd noise, 
if you protect them decently, they're going to light you up. Like the Saints had it with Derek Carr, right? Derek Carr is like, he's like a mediocre quarterback, but with no crowd noise. And it's just, I know it was on, that game was on the road, but I just feel like the, the offense now, maybe it's the rules, maybe it's coronavirus, whatever. If your pass rush isn't elite, elite, your defense is just going to, it's just going to struggle. And you're going to be giving up 25 to 30 every week. And, that's just the way it's going to be. So that makes me a little bit less concerned about the Saints defense. The biggest thing for me with the Saints defense is if Cam Jordan is not going to be Cam Jordan, that is the most concerning of all. Like they need him to be the guy that he's been for them the last five years. And hopefully it's just a sort of thing where he's just, he had that surgery in the offseason and he's just going to take a little time to round into shape. But to me, that's the biggest worry. This, the thing is with the Saints secondary, man, is at this point, like, it is what it is. Like, Lattimore, I know he didn't play yesterday, but, he, like, we're in year four, man. He's, he's not going to turn into a consistent corner. He's just going to be up and down and all over the place, and you have to live with it. I wouldn't pay him a giant contract going into next year, but it sort of is what it is. But I look around the league, and I'm like, who – who plays like lights out defense in the NFL in 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 twenty twenty? It's it's not many. Yeah, I, no, it's not. I think for the the contracts are going to be interesting with Lattimore because, look, you play Mike Evans and you shut him down. I mean, he 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 he's like Mike Evans' dad. Is like he, Evans does nothing. I mean, he has as many catches against Lattimore and he's one more catch against Lattimore uh, in the last few outings than you and I do. And then you go up against Alan Lazard, and it's like, what, what happened? Like, what are you doing? And Kenny Galladay's good. I mean, I imagine that if Lattimore had been in the lineup yesterday, he probably would have been, you know, zoned in and focused. Yeah. And, and if he's back on Monday night, you know, Kenny Allen's really good. So that's when you kind of get the best out of Lattimore. But, uh, but Trey Hendrickson leading this team in sacks. You've been, you've been talking about Hendrickson before the season started as far as he mm-hmm. is, he's going to play his way into a nice contract. But with the more reps he gets and the more sacks he gets, I'm with you. He's going to get paid next year. But when Davenport comes back, is there a scenario where he's just like a situational guy or does Hendrickson go back to being the situational guy? That's a great question because I can't answer that. because I'm going to say probably not. I would probably say Davenport's the situational guy because to me, Davenport has missed a month. Like, I joked, in my, I joked in my WWL preview column that he might have elbow Ebola. Like, they can say whatever they want about it's not a Like, he's missed a month, okay? He's going to come back, and that elbow ain't going to be right. It's just like, I'm, gonna, I'm not a doctor, but I'm just going to guess. Like, if he's missed a month, he's going to have the, the RoboCop sleeve on it, and it's not going to be 100%. I would bet you that Davenport is going to be the situational guy. And the thing about, the thing about Hendrickson is, is he is a guy that, he plays hard every snap, and he's in such good shape. Like, he really, in the fourth quarter, he starts to really make hay. But he's a guy that is almost entirely like a pitcher in baseball. Like, it's matchup dependent, right? So when you play it, like, when you play it, when the Saints play a team, and, and you're like, oh, their tackles either are injured or they're, they give up a ton of sacks, like, that's when you circle Hendrickson. You know he's going to have a potentially a really nice game. And... You know, teams are going to get banged up on the offensive line as we go through the year. So I think he's going to he's going to be he's going to have a really nice year, and you know it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see like if he gets to seven. 
seven and a half, eight sacks. Like he's going to get not a ridiculous contract, but with the Saints, with all their issues, if he got like a four-year, $40 million contract, like they're not matching that. But uh, it's a problem for another day. But the short answer is I don't think it's going to – I think it's going to be Davenport that's going to be the situational guy, not Hendrickson, which is crazy because they gave up two first for that. Yeah, Mr. Glass is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the, oh, he's finally back practicing, and then it's a toe thing. And it's like, like the ceiling is undeniably high, but at this point – when you're missing as much time as you have, and then you got Cam Jordan, who's never missed a game, and Malcolm Jenkins, who seemingly never misses a snap, it's like, is that something you're going to invest in long term? It's, it's got to be frustrating for sure, especially with a lot of hype this offseason and training camp. Granted, limited access in training camp, but probably more Davenport hype heading into this season than you've had in the previous ones, and then it just, wah, wah, you know, oh, well, he's not playing. Well, because you see it. We've seen it. Like, remember that game two years ago? Where they go, they go on Monday night and they play Minnesota after you know the year after the Minnesota Miracle and all that. Rankins was dominant, and Davenport did the play where he just blows through, throws throws uh, Kirk Cousins down like a rag doll. But he injures his he he injures himself and he's he's never the same the rest of the year. But you see it, you're like, oh my god, there's a 15 sack destroyer of worlds in there like you you he's not a guy where you look at it and you're like he was a boss what the hell were did he like you see it and you're like that's why they gave up two first for him and it must just drive the saints crazy because if you had a healthy davenport and a healthy cam jordan and a healthy rankings like you would have a, a a destruction of a defensive line but it just it hasn't worked out that way ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Ralph Malbro, our guest of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Also, uh, com and on WWLTV on, uh, on Monday mornings. Uh, Ralph, heading into this game next week, Michael Thomas, you know, he practiced it on a limited basis. Uh, but the Saints said, look, it's, it's a little different than some other injuries we've dealt with. It's going to be a matter of risk of re-injury as opposed to how much he's able to practice. And my thing is, well, if there's a high risk and he's not playing in a game, why is he practicing at all? But I, you know what? I'm not there. I don't want to judge. I just know that with this game coming up in the bye week following it, do you just, do you just say, look, we're not, playing, we're not playing Mike until we come out of the bye? Because if it's all about risk of re-injury, then give him the six weeks he needs because oh, down the stretch, I mean, you, you, we can look. Traquan Smith had his best game as a pro. He took yeah. that shot to the ribs, that dirty shot, came back, two touchdowns. The third one catch was, or not, that was Sanders that caught it. There was a third down throw to, 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 mm-hmm. to Traquan that was just tremendous. It was his best game, but it's one game. You know, again, Lions, we're not going to act like this is going to be here to stay or anything. Hopefully it is, but I wouldn't bet on it. I mean, they desperately need Michael Thomas. Let's not get so caught up in Sunday's win. What do you do here? It, let's, say, let's say he practices again this week on a limited basis, and, you know, like Devontae Adams, even though, you know, they, they don't want to play him, he says he's ready to play and wants to play. Thomas wants to play, and he's good to go. Do you, risk versus reward. What do you do heading into that game on Monday night? Which you got to get. I mean, you need that winning record going into the box. Well, the thing is, 500-year-old Tom Brady just threw five touchdowns against the Chargers, right? And they don't have Bosa, and they don't have Ingram, and they don't have their safety, whose name I forget. Like, the Chargers are always hurt. They're, like, their defense is not great. So I would mean to, to hold him out another week, you know? Um, so, 
the thing is, you just if if you can get Michael, if you can hold him out one more week and get to three and two, and you work Sanders in and you work Traquan Smith and you get and then you get Thomas back, like this offense potentially is can be exactly what everyone thought it was going to be this off season. You know, so I would just I would hold him out. I think I think you can get I think you can survive you can survive. Um, another week um, against the Chargers, so that that would be that would be my guess. Is they're gonna they're gonna probably hold him out, but but like you say, he's he's such uh, a hard worker and so diligent and wants to play that it'll be it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting decision if he's like chirping at the Saints. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Did the Saints sort of have the sort of fortitude to be like, no, offensive player of the year. You're not going to play. We're holding you out for another this weekend to bye week. So it'll, it'll be it'll be definitely something to watch as we get the practice reports later in the week. Ralph Malbro, Saints Happy Hour podcast. Our guest, I'm Scott Prather. Um, coming up a little bit later on in the show, Adam Carolla will join us. Looking forward to that. But uh, getting back to the Saints, Ralph, what's something that, um, like I, I'll, I'll go first here, so you know where I'm going with this. There are things that we take for granted when they like that we worry about a lot with the saints, but like when they don't happen for a while, we almost kind of out of sight, out of mind. Alex Anzalone has not like missed a snap. He's been healthy and he's played pretty strong. I know, you know, there's that lousy PI call, which was really bad. It was yeah. not PI, but like he's played well. And, and he's one of the better athletes on the team. He's really good. But outside of one season, he's been hurt his whole career dating back to high school. Like that, he to this point, I have taken it for granted that he is healthy and on this because we said, look, you don't have a lot of depth at linebacker after Davis and Anzalone, and yeah. and you got a rookie in there, but he's more of a pass rusher, and we forget. I, I I admittedly forget how thin they are at linebacker because they play so much five DB sets under Dennis yeah. Allen and CJ Gardner Johnson. So you really, for the most part, it's usually just Davis and Anzalone out there at linebacker, and if you lose Anzalone, oof, man. Now, if you lose Davis, you're in a lot of trouble. But Davis doesn't miss games. Anzalone does. That is something I've taken for granted. Is there something on the Saints team that at least through four weeks you've you've kind of starting to now that you think about it, maybe you've taken for granted? I think I think you know what it was. That's a great question, Scott. It hit me yesterday. It's the offensive line. You know, without Pete, sort of Ramcheck getting the concussion to me was sort of the tipping point of the offensive line where it became up. Oh, they've lost too many guys. Yeah. Like they you had, you know, they had lost there. Pete and they, you know, they had, had, had injuries in guard and they were sort of shuffling around. But like when they lost Ram, when you had Ramcheck and Pete, like it was too much. And it just like, and it just, you're like, Oh man, it's just like, you like, like you, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you call it, but there's like a, there's like a threshold in life where like it just becomes, it just becomes a, too much to overcome, right? And that's when it happens. The good news is they get James Hurst back, which I know he's a backup. He was a decent average player for the Ravens. So maybe that'll help a little. But, like, that's the thing that worries me the most. Like, they, like they, 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 can't, they can't handle any more offensive line injuries because Pete, for all the grief we give him, he gives them so much flexibility. Like, if they lose Armstead or they lose – Ram check or whatever. They can move Pete guard tackle, and he gives them so much flexibility where they can really absorb injuries. But like without Pete there, their their margin for error becomes so thin, and that's that's my that's my thing that I I look at and I'm like I I'm getting worried. 
ESPN1420.com. Um, let's let's hope and pray that 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 Ryan Ramchek can go Monday night because <laughs> tell you what, man, what what what's the cat's name? Um, Ethan Greenwich. With respect, Ooh, he was a turnstile. He was yeah. a turn, he was he was struggling. That's that's you're being nice. And and look, he's a UDFA out of Villanova. He spent last year on the practice. That's that's what he is. I mean, he's a big guy. I, mean, I think he weighs like three forty or something like that. But he, you go from a, a UDFA out of Villanova who um, spent the most of the team on the scout team and things like that a year ago, and now he's having to replace a first team AP All Pro and. You know, they got some pretty good guys. Uh, you know, <laughs> Joey Bosa, mm-hmm. eesh. I mean, the Chargers pass rush is really good. Uh, let's, that, that, you know, with, with respect to Michael Thomas, who the Saints really, you know, it's going to be great when he comes back. The injury I'm paying closest attention to this week and whether or not they're on the practice field is Ryan Ramchak. Yeah, com- completely. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where we had talked about it this summer. I think I talked about it with you, is the thing that makes the Saints roster so great is that it's so deep it's like a tank it can take all these bullets right and the thing that we always said was you know the saints will have an injury and they don't have to plug in a udfa at corner because they're so deep or offensive line but yesterday they did and that's always a concern when you have to plug in a udfa i don't care what people say there's a reason dudes don't get drafted and teams do not find four five six UDFA diamonds. You're lucky if you find like two over like a five year period. And it's one of those things where it just becomes apparent immediately, right? Like sometimes you can plug a guy in and he's like, oh, it's, it, it, it might be okay for a week or two. You know, it's, you know, it's not terrible. You plug in a UDFA and most of the time, Scott, it becomes a disaster almost immediately. Like, oh God, this is terrible. Like, terrible. And that's what happened. Ramchek goes out. They plug in the UDFA, and it's like they unplugged the Saints. It was like the Saints were a television, the offense, and you just unplugged it from the wall. Like everything went, went as far as the run game, just died right in front of us. It was, yeah. I mean, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> thoughts and prayers, Ethan. Uh, Ralph Malbro has been our guest, ESPN1420.com, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, along with Andrew Juge and Dave and Sean and all the great stuff they do over there. If you're not subscribing and you're a Saints fan, what are you doing? Go do it. Check it out. Listen. Have fun. Uh, They get the fans very involved in it, too. You know, the fans have a voice on that show as well. So uh, for Saints fans, it's a must. Check out his columns over at WWLTV.com. As always, man, really appreciate the time, and uh, I know we'll be talking soon, but... Enjoy the game next Monday night, and um, all the best to you and the fan, brother. Anytime, Scott. You got it.